0: Coming up this week on Beyond the Vibe, we're joined by Ariel.
1: Instead of just doing the the rhythm section live, I decided to do the entire thing live in one take and recording half of it anyway to take. I met Brian and I was telling him that I was putting together a guitar business that I was gonna be having my own guitar line because people just kept asking me, where do I get one of your guitars? And it was his idea. He said, well, who's doing it for you? And I just said, My friend and I were going to put out a couple guitars a month, and that's going to be that. And he said, Well, why doesn't Brian Brian make guitars to it? And I said, "Uh, Brian, it's 25 and a half. And he said, Well, it should be 24. And I asked him, forgetting that his guitar was 24, I said, Why should we do 24? And he said, Well, my guitar is 24, and I think it sounds okay. And I was like, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) you Actually, I can show you here. I know this is broadcast, but just so you guys can see, take a look. See the difference?
2: Hello and welcome to Beyond the VIBE, the show that cuts deep into the world of music. Thank you, Mr. Vasey. My <laughs> name is Aaron Day, lead guitarist in UK band These Wicked Rivers, and I'm here with music videographer and photographer on the sofa. <laughs> I know. Mr. Vasey. How it you is? doing, man? Oh, I'm doing alright. We're all we're good, good, aren't we? Yeah, we're alright, man. We've got uh, Ariel on the show. Yes we do. Today. Now this this got me I mean I'm rebuilding my vinyl collection. Mm. Have I told you about this? Have you seen how many Slimming. vinyls I'm, I'm slamming on my Instagram I, I have seen the... Oh, I've, uh, I've just got some more vinyls. I've, vinyl just got, this I've week. actually just got some more vinyl this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll have you know. I'm uh, rebuilding the collection. Cause, uh, my, when I was a teenager, I mainly had vinyl because my dad passed it down. Mm. And I sold it all to get a tattoo. Oh, um, my God. terrible. Don't do that, kids. No. Don't be a dickhead. <laughs> so I think it's good, though, because I think I've changed a lot since. Like, a lot of it I might have sold now anyway because there's a lot of stuff in there that isn't where I'm at musically now like a lot of my vinyl collection now is 60s, 70s Mm. a few newer stuff like I want to get the new Great Van Fleet album vinyl Right, um, I'd like to get some Crown stuff on vinyl, you mm. know, maybe some Blackstone albums just because, but then again, I don't I like vinyl not for heavier stuff, even though you get that clarity. I love the older stuff and the crackle. Mm. Um, so anyway, I went into a, a vinyl shop in Matlock that my dad recommended to me called Spinderella. it does vintage guitars as well. Okay, and when I walked in, this is weird, it uh, this isn't bollocks, this isn't bollocks, <laughs> but I went in and he's in, um. I didn't say hello to him, because I thought he didn't want to talk to me, but he did talk to me. <laughs> and he, he put an album on, I was like, oh, this is fucking, it's awesome, this is. I said, oh, what's what's this? And he's like, oh, this is Queen 1. Right, And I, I know Queen 2 really well. Mm. Um, but then first two Queen albums, really heavy guitar work, particularly for the time. And, and obviously they went a bit more sort of... Um, very sort of a bit more theatrical with sheer heart attack and night to the opera, um, but yeah, that was that was like immediately I was like, Carl, oh, I need to, to get on my Queen Vine Are you much of a Queen Van? Um, I, I went through a phase
0: when I was younger where I did. Mm interestingly because, here we go, this is one that will be very popular with people. Uh, can you remember the first Pro Evolution soccer game? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Right, now, very deep cuts, nice. people. At the end you of, play a lot of Pro Evolution not <laughs> Not now, but... <laughs> um, if you were to win a competition on that, like a trophy, they used to play We Are The Champions.
2: Right, okay.
0: Which was pretty cool. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so I listened to like more Queen through that because yeah. I was like, oh, this is cool and yeah, it was, it's one of those that I've kind of dipped in and out of through the years You know, I, I definitely
2: c- recommend because um, mm. I think they're one of them bands that get put in this this wrong sphere of being like but people take them as the post 1980 cream which is Radio Gaga yeah, yeah. kind of magic and there's some real killer rock stuff in, in them years you know and stuff like News of the World which is the mm. album that's got We're the Champions and We'll Rock You On and Night of the Opera has got like Death on Two Legs you know as well as Bohemian Rhapsody uh, seaside you know it's just, it's just, there's some some really cool stuff in there mm. you know and I, I had Night of the Opera and Day of the Races particularly with them the albums that my dad gave me and it was like oh this is cool you know and, and I do think of Brian May as, as being an ultimate guitar hero mm. so I can see why all, and it's really cool in the interview actually to to hear how much of a how much of their relationship isn't based around guitar in a weird yeah. way yeah, you know, she speaks really highly and you can see in it she talks about it how much, you know, he just means in terms of their friendship, in terms of around mental health and and the, all the different aspects that they talk about when they meet up and I thought that was quite cool. Mm.
0: Yeah, and the uh we we get into some heavy
2: uh gear chats. Uh it's not hard for me. To Which do that. I turn we, it on very easily. <laughs> very good. Which, you know, care. for
0: for the guitarists out there. Uh
2: this could be the episode for you. Mm. And uh you can hear that now so we're here with ariel singer songwriter blues musician thanks for joining us ariel
1: yay thanks for having me <laughs>
0: that's cool um so one thing that we like to do on the podcast is go like right back to the beginning um of the ever like a musician's journey so how did it all start for you like did uh did guitar come first for you or was it vocals <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was vocals actually. I was put into a choir when I was five and my I wanted to play guitar, but my parents didn't think that that was what a girl, a young girl should be doing. So they put me in choir instead. So I learned how to play the piano and was reading music and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until I was 10 that I got a guitar, but um, I started off just being classically trained with piano. I played trumpet and violin and the flute as well when I was younger.
2: Wow. So even though it was kind of wasn't what you wanted, I suppose it laid that foundation in sort of a musical upbringing for you then to, to take on the guitar at age 10.
1: Exactly. I think it was even though I didn't know how to directly apply what I had learned with the choir stuff and with sheet music and reading all, and all that, it still helped me in the long run, for sure.
2: And did you take, when you got into guitar, was it a similar approach in that you kind of went into the more classical side of it? Or did you start to get into the kind of the blues side of it quite quickly?
1: I definitely started off with more of the classical style, um, classical style guitar, even though my first guitar was an electric. Um, And it wasn't until way later that I started getting into blues and rock and stuff. I, I just wasn't good enough. And I'm sure you've heard beginners try to play that kind of stuff it's hard it's hard when you just pick up the guitar to go for a rock guitar solo you know Mm -hmm. so
2: Particularly with the blues as well, because so much of it's based on feel and technique and a lot of that I think you get as you, can, as, you, as you continue your musical journey, do you know what I mean? And you listen to different things and you get that influence come through. So I imagine it takes a little bit of time to, to tap into that. You know, in terms of your own journey, were you, were you always a singer songwriter? Did you always want to, to come from kind of yourself and, and have a band around you? Or were you in bands, you know, as you was growing up?
1: Well, I actually just wanted to be a guitar player. That's what I always wanted to do is just play guitar for a band. I always wanted a band. And as I started going to music school, I was in, And before then, um, from about 13 on, I was in a bunch of different bands and they kept falling apart. We had differences in what we wanted to do and egos and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, maybe I should just do the solo artist thing. I'm like, well, who's going to sing? I'm like, oh, well, I guess it'll be me. Um, so it was it was an accident. It, it wasn't something I wanted to do. It just came out of necessity really to do the solo project thing.
2: Cool. So did that work in terms of your writing? I mean, like when you're saying you, you wanted to be a guitarist in the band, did you, did you, were you writing songs at that point or was it more that as soon as you had, it seems to be a standard thing is that people get pushed into this vocalist role yeah. and then it just sticks. <laughs> but did, as soon as you got into that role, was it like were you chief songwriter, and that just worked with being the vocalist?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean that helps. It's um, it's something I miss actually. Is I really do love collaborating with songwriting, but uh, and I do I write with other people, and there's nothing like bringing a song to a band and like kind of seeing it come to life. But, I would say. More, as I decided that I was just going to do it on my own, my songwriting really wasn't great because I relied on other people to write music in a way. So it, it took a long time to develop my own style of writing without anybody else.
2: I appreciate your honesty there because you're completely right. I mean, for myself and the band, I I'd struggle if I had to go alone because I like to bounce ideas off people. Sometimes I'll bring like almost a skeleton, and people add bits to it, and then that's what gets the finished article. Whereas, I imagine it's quite a it can be a lonely place sometimes when it's all about your expression.
1: Yeah, it it can be it's and then you get bored of yourself because mm-hmm. you know the, if you have certain ruts that you'll get into for a while it's like oh, i always do that or this song kind of sounds exactly like the other song so it happens
0: <laughs> that's cool. Um, so your new album, Analogue Girl in a Digital World, is out May 7th. Um, this is your ninth release, I believe. Um, for myself, I found out about you through the, the new wave of classic rock group over, that's over here. Um, you have like a real distinctive retro sound, light like, and, and look as well. Um, for this album, did you approach it differently this time compared to your previous releases, um, whether that be in the writing or the recording process?
1: completely the last album that i did suspension dimension was if if you look at my releases there's there's a theme that you'll st- that you can start to see that i'm big on not having too many variables because once you have too many you don't know what the thing was that you changed that that was better or worse if you change a ton it's hard to know so you'll find in each recording, I I would change small things, and it started probably around Mind Lion. I started throwing in, um, or maybe My Gypsy Heart, um, which is four albums ago now, and I started throwing in different styles, different ways of approaching the the guitar, and then Mind line was a few more, and then Suspension Dimension was. Um, I recorded most, almost live, at least the rhythm section, the bass and drums was live. But what, the way that I picked those songs was I was playing the songs, my new songs live and seeing which ones people liked the most. And then whatever people liked the most, I would throw on an album. But with Analog Girl and Digital World, the way I approached that one was just to have a a concept album. So all of the songs were written to go on the album and they were written together. Without worrying whether or not they're my strongest song or whatever, they just fit in that in that area, uh, which I was inspired to do by Tommy, uh, the Tommy album by the Who, and then of course instead of just doing the the rhythm section live, I decided to do the entire thing live in one take and recording half of it anyway to tape. So the way that I approached it was completely different, but. In the whole scheme of the past four or five albums that I've done, it it kind of fits in line with the direction I was going.
2: Mm. Oh, that's really cool for me. For me personally, mate, I I, I love concept albums because I think that you can tell that. They, sometimes like you say you can get bogged down in, in what you want to achieve for an album you know in terms of the different textures whereas when you've got the focus of trying to tell a story I think it comes across a lot more comfortable like I love um, Aqualung by Jeff Tull because I just feel like it's an like entire story that gets told and I feel like it's weird we were chatting about films when we were mm. talking bollocks before we came on and, um, <laughs> and and it's similar with films you know you want to feel like you've got an outcome at the end of it that you can walk away from and feel sort of like it's a finished thing that you've, you've listened to and, and been a part of and concept albums I really get that from so I, I think it's really cool that you've chosen to go that is it the first time you've done that then the kind of focus to concept album
1: mm. yes
2: cool That's first cool. time now I look forward to it that sounds great thank you um so alongside your solo career a lot of people will know you because of your collaborations obviously Brian May uh, how did you guys meet and how did this relationship start
1: well we met in 2007 so we've been friends for a long time And we met at a bookstore called Book Soup off of Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood when I was going to music school there. And I had found out that he was doing a book signing. He'd just gotten his PhD in astrophysics. And I had to go meet him, of course, because he is my biggest guitar hero. And I walked up, I had my guitar with me, and we became instant friends, really. Um, So for about a year, we were just emailing kind of pen pal buddies and then he asked if i wanted to come to the uk and audition for we will rock you and that was in 2008 and so since then we've i mean in 2007 we've been friends and talking and most of what we've connected with has nothing to do with guitar or music at all really um he kind of welcomed me into his family and we went to shows together and talked about uh, mental health stuff, which we both kind of talk about publicly that we struggle with depression and stuff and talking about that and how to have a better life. And then um, from time to time, when I, when I've been coming through the UK to tour, I would meet up with Brian for lunch. And about three years ago now, it will be three years next month. I met Brian and I was telling him that I was putting together a guitar business that I was going to be having my own guitar line because people just kept asking me, where do I get one of your guitars? And it was his idea. He said, well, who's doing it for you? And I just said, my friend and I were going to put out a couple of guitars a month and that's going to be that. And he said, well, why doesn't Brian, Brian May guitars do it? So, um, yeah, three years ago, almost to the month, um, we started collaborating on the guitar. And that guitar is a combination of my guitar, my original guitar that I built from scratch with a friend of mine that I call Two-Tone. And uh, it's combined with Brian's guitar, the Red Special, to create its own entity. Uh, So we have a model that just came out last month.
2: That's really cool. I bet. I mean, there's something as a guitarist myself that I think you kind of dream of a little bit. And I think, as like you say, I, I do the same thing myself, where I end up with some sort of like a Frankenstrat or I will take a Jazzmaster and rip it apart and relic it and stuff. And it's I think there's that's part of me is that me trying to explore that dream of having a signature guitar myself. You know, so I think it must be really cool to be able to to have that design and then be able to to have someone like Brian come to you and want to kind of turn it on its head a little bit. Because well, was it quite different when Brian came in from that? original design was it because like you said i think you worded it as a marriage between or a meeting of the minds you know and how did brian come in and kind of make that more of a brian made guitars sort of design
1: well actually before he i mean he had seen the guitar and he'd heard the guitar before but one of the things that he had asked me which was at that we were just at, at lunch just hanging out again i i never thought that our conversation would go in the direction that it did but his question was what's the scale length and i said um the scale length is 25 and a half which um for anyone who's not a guitar geek it's just the length of the neck and depending on which brand of guitar you use they typically have certain sizes so um the the measurement in inches uh fenders stay at about 25 and a half uh inches long which is where two-tone is and gibsons are like 24 and seven er, or three quarters and uh brian's is at 24 so his is an inch and a half shorter than mine, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in context, it's, it's really a lot. There's really no bigger difference that you can go to, um, at least the way that we have, we can have and no guitars. And he said, and I said, uh, Brian, it's 25 and a half. And he said, well, it should be 24. And I asked him forgetting that his guitar was 24. I said, why should we do 24? And he said, well, my guitar is 24, and I think it sounds okay. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> hey, 24 is." So that was one of the things that we changed was the scale length. So um, if you uh, actually, I can show you here. I know this is broadcast, but just so you guys can see, cool. can take a look. See mm-hmm. the difference. Yeah, 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 that's killer. So that's a pretty significant difference.
2: Yeah, how was it for you, Ariel? As you've been kind of getting ready for the live shows? Because I imagine this feels different in the hand, you know, quite significantly.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, once you're playing it, the way that the guitars are built, um, when you're holding it, where the bridge is, the reason why two-tone feels so long is because i moved the neck to the left so it's a little bit farther out of the body so that one is also that way so it ends up not feeling that much different um the only thing i guess would be um we put bigger frets on it than mine so you know a few things like that changed it's honestly it's not that different um the sound is different. You know, there's definitely a sonic difference between a 25 a longer neck versus a shorter neck. And also one of the things we changed was the headstock, of course. So um to, to stay true to Brian's brand, we have his guitar headstock, which is more it's three on three versus my reverse headstock. Um, that also changes the tone quite a bit. Um it's been interesting. I have played both of them on the road um before covid i had played the brian may guitar for a couple years the prototypes and um they it sounds really good it's uh just like any guitar that's new you know it has a certain element of sounding new Mm. you know what i'm saying there's like yeah yeah, of
2: course yeah
1: the longer that something is an object is what it is it gets to warm up and age Nicely, And my guitar has been doing that now for 13 or 14 years. So it's impossible to compare them in that way. But for the, it, it hung in as a, I use it as an E flat guitar or a drop D guitar. And um, it, it's great. Cool.
2: From from a sonic, like you're saying, with a sonic perspective, in terms of the pickups from your original guitar, is the Brian May guitars tried to tried to make a pickup set that's very similar to to your original guitar, or is it the similar pickups that you'd put in when you made the guitar?
1: yeah um they're they're not made by the same people the ones that i have are the original um, burns trisonics that brian used to use uh in his his guitars but now they have somebody else make them i don't i don't actually i should probably ask who's making them but i don't know um i know that they just changed manufacturers for the pickups but they are based around my pickups, so they sound similar
2: cool Mm, that's That's cool. cool
0: And going back to the album, um, one of my personal favorites on the album is uh, "Living in a Fortress." Um, for you, a, yeah, I like that one. Um, is, is there a personal favorite for you, or uh, one that uh, you tell people to have a look out for on the album?
1: When I want people to understand sonically where I'm trying to go, I tell people inside and outside. I think production-wise, that captured the vibe that I'm trying to create but as far as the story um that i relate to the most i would probably say living in a fortress too Ooh. because it really summarizes how i feel most of the time the whole um i don't feel like i belong in the world and i just kind of observe it yeah. from afar sometimes and observe how um there's this game in, in the i guess in in the chorus, I guess you could say, or the B part in the human realm, we play our game. We criticize another's gain. Um, and then how, and people know too much and they know it too well. And then at the end I say you and your opinion could go to hell because there's always, it's funny too, because the the song in a way is actually a way that I can gauge who, who cares about the way that I feel. I had some people say, Oh, you shouldn't say that. Like, But you're giving me your opinion when I'm literally telling you, I don't want your opinion. So I, I do something that triggers someone's opinion. And if they, if they can just accept it and say, okay, that's I, whether or not they approve of it or like, it doesn't matter. It's there. And I think, um, especially in the music business and the, in uh, in the way that our society is structured it's like yes no now you need to have everything now instant gratification like it hate it there's um there's very little room for just creative um freedom in a way that's accepted you know oh it doesn't fit on the radio oh it's mm-hmm. um there's songs too long or it doesn't fit in the box that i'm used to and um sometimes it's just exhausting to hear people's opinions especially when i don't ask if you want to have an opinion not you specifically but if, if someone in general wants to have an opinion that's fine but do does it have to be constantly placed on you and i'm not sure if i think social media has just made it this thing where it's like you can just comment and say oh that sucks or whatever and instead of instead of just being able to be like not my thing but go for it you know it's just weird so yeah i i can really that song definitely reflects my life and the way that i view it a lot of the time i just kind of want to hide away in my own little world because it's hard it's hard to live in the world sometimes the way that it is
0: Hmm. i think that's more relevant now with the whole pandemic and everything going on it's kind of um you know like the most relevant it could be at this point isn't it
2: yeah i think i think we'd really relate to that to be honest mm. with you we, we talk a lot about that don't we man mm. i think one of the cool things with even though covid it's been such a difficult time i think that a lot of the stuff that it's taken away in people's lives really is, is bonus stuff mm. you know it's stuff that our, our lives shouldn't you know, depend upon, you know, in terms of going out and, and doing this and doing that. We should be happy with our foundation, the simple things that we have. And I think a lot of people, you know, like we've, we've reflected on it a lot, haven't we, man? You know, is that if you take this as an opportunity to build on your foundation, then when everything comes back, it, your life will be even better because that's just bonus stuff then. And you're, you're the core of who you are is cool and you're happy with who you are, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really agree with you. I mean, social media, I think, is is such a dangerous weapon, you know, now. And I mean, i've had the whole of lockdown i've just i've really struggled with it and had to detach from it a little bit you know because i think it's it's the wrong platform for what a lot of people use it for Mm. you know particularly with the music business mate i I really really respond to that look like with queen you know i I say to the boys in in the band over here is that i think sometimes if you look back through history you have to make that decision to rebel against what people are telling you what to do In order to break the tide and go on to the next movement and that next part of your creativity, because if people continuously just do what they're told, then nothing ever changes. You end up with this constant swarm of of very similar sounding, you know, bands and musicians, and music doesn't evolve or move on. So, no, I've 100 relate to that definitely. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. No, no, it's cool. No, it's good. To it's cool. It's nice to have a bit of a serious discussion. Isn't no, it's it? really know. good. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, one of the like questions we like to ask artists, which is really for the fans, because um, we kind of think the same thing with bands we're into, is is what their lives away from music. I mean, it comes across, there that you kind of very much sort of live and breathe, you know, the music. Um, is there anything away from that? You know, some people talk about family, pets. You know, some people talk about hobbies they've picked up in lockdown. Is there anything yourself that that you have away from from the music, from guitar?
1: Well, um, it's interesting because before COVID stuff, I was on the road and I was never in one place longer than three weeks. And that was kind of a, a record I had with myself for whatever reason. I was just always on the road. And during COVID, I've kind of developed a new way of being instead of living out of my suitcase or whatever, I've actually tried um, to develop like a home life and a family life, um, which is nice. Uh, I've never had that before. Uh, outside of that, and trying to have things that I enjoy, like nature, I love being outside, I love the ocean. Um, the other thing that I've started doing is I started a nonprofit called the Tonewood Forest. And it's a nonprofit we that we um are growing and conserving trees that are typically used for musical instruments such as mahogany, ebony, rosewood. And then we have plots all over right now we have two and a half, almost three plots, um Florida, Pennsylvania, and um soon to be um England where we grow the species that are local to the area. So Florida's mahogany, um, Honduran mahogany grows um, locally. It's as a native tree there. So yeah, I've been working on replenishing back uh, what I've been given from the guitars. And of course, creating guitars for other people. These are endangered trees because people like us and furniture builders and things are cutting them down and not not replenishing them. So that's been my thing. I'm just a little geek. Um, I have a little hydroponic system where I'm growing these trees. And it's really frustrating sometimes because depending on what the species of tree is, um, they can take a long time to actually sprout and become something. So it's also been teaching me patience so anything outdoors nature gardening um is uh normally what i'm what i'm doing if i'm not doing something music related that's cool.
2: That's really cool, mate. Mm. Uh, now as a guitarist myself, as I say, I'm, I'm really into vintage gear, uh, particularly pedals. I'm terrible with pedals. <laughs> uh, as you're preparing to return to, to playing live, um, what's the setup you reckon you'll be playing? I mean, I, I don't know if you're similar to me, but I've been planning in my head and at home sort of my rig and getting ready to, to the return back. What, what do you reckon you'll be using?
1: Well, um, I am in the process of doing the exact same part. So before I had a little bit of a complicated rig and I've just, over the years, I've been gradually simplifying what I have. So I used to have this massive pedal board full of, uh, um, well, normally I was just using one amp so I would have different chains so I could have, almost like a different channel. So I had to have my lead chain and my clean chain. And if I hit one button, it turns all of them on. And then the other button turns the other ones on, which I need to have when I'm singing. Cause that's the thing I always have to think about is simplify. So when I'm singing, I hit one button. Don't have to look down for that long done. But what I've started to do is um, my, uh, my boyfriend actually makes guitar amps. Oh. So, so he's been what I've normally done is i've had two amps um like the eric johnson thing where instead of doing the pedals i was changing amps so i'd have one clean amp and one lead amp but then i would push the lead amp i'd have it like just barely breaking up and then push the pedal um to do dirty rhythm stuff and then lead stuff and then the clean amp would just be clean with a bunch of headroom now what i've done is i've started to use his amps um And I just break up the amp itself. I turn it all the way up and hopefully it's, you know, smaller, like a 12 watt, 14 watt amp and turn that all the way up and then control how much gain I have with the volume knob. And then also have the second clean amp that does the same thing that it did before. This way, I only have two, two pedals. Um, I use a tc electronic um, chorus flange from the 80s as well as the um bread echo rec and I use that only on the clean channel love, love the echo leaps- they're they're great pedals mm-hmm. um and then on the clean channel uh, on the dirty channel it's literally just the amp breaking up uh, itself um, which has been cool and then I just have an a B switch um and that way it's easier. The only thing, but then, but then I have to think about it. Is like, if I have backline, that's going to be harder to do if somebody gives me like a deluxe reverb, yeah. and then I have to break that up. So there has to be a like a a pedal, uh, an overdrive pedal, just on the side, just in case that happens. But I'm really trying to get away from pedals, and I'm trying to rely on the guitars and the amps. Um,
2: How do so yeah. you? How do you reckon you'll get on in terms of singing because obviously it's a lot for you to like you say before it was you had the switches and stuff but now obviously just doing the volume knob it's a completely different thing
1: yes it's it's more intuitive i think well you can base it
2: base, I always like the thing with the volume knob is because you can you react into the room as well you react into how the speakers are breaking up that particular night you know and you feel like you've got that control whereas I always find when I rely on gain stages it can sometimes be on a completely different level depending on how the monitor mix is coming through so I, I definitely think that's cool what do you use for your, your do? Yeah, it's getting nice and nerdy now isn't it oh, no, see how excited cool. I get <laughs> um, what, what do you use for your Dirty Amp is it a Marshall style and then do you, do you have Fender style for the cleans or is it sort of fender across the board you know what are you doing with the breakup
1: yeah it's usually kind of fender style um the the one that I have right now is kind of like a uh like a deluxe um like a deluxe without um and then having reverb or like a dumble style which I know can kind of be marginally like Dumble deluxe kind of crossfire
2: yeah, I, I, like, I always like it because it feels like the best of both worlds you know it's not too far into the martial world but you get enough of it
1: yeah I'm not a huge martial fan um and I don't love um a lot of Fender stuff um it's very specific um guitar amps that really have a nice breakup or offer something really warm without a ton of volume um so i like the deluxe reverb a ton um the the, the deluxe tweed deluxe or just regular deluxe um yeah things like that um but i'm but i'm experimenting too i was playing um 15 um inch speaker in my cab for a while and i've moved down the 12th kind of experimenting with that and and tubes i've been experimenting with with basically everything because i want to i want to come back strong and feel like when i actually get to play again i feel really inspired and when people hear it they're like holy crap what happened <laughs> um, definitely the the more i dial it back i think the more uh classic um timeless guitar tone you get the people are used to hearing not not identical because i'm not copying anybody's gear but the closer you get to guitar cable amp i think um the more people are really used to hearing that sound for almost 100 years now with the electric guitar so uh, it's a process as you know it's it's uh, a lot so by the time i tour i'll have it figured out at least for this next phase
2: We'll have, we'll have to come down and do a little rig rundown. Just yeah, do them That'd be fun. Okay, we'll oh. have to have a little nose around and and hear it in action. That's
0: oh, mm. cool. Yeah. And um, speaking of touring, um, with gigs seemingly returning, how do you like plan to celebrate the album? Are you kind of going off on tour again soon-ish?
1: Well, yeah, right. Um, <laughs>
2: it's, hard to, like,
0: it's hard I can't, to plan. I can't go. on. Definitely going on tour, can I? It's like...
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, that's the thing i got offered a gig uh, a touring gig in september in the uk but who knows if that's going to happen right so i've just been kind of watching um and then next year there's definitely going to be a bunch of touring but what we did was i had my band and i go into the studio and we we played the album front to back live and then filmed it and then of course we recorded it to tape so I've just been editing the video from that we have four cameras and uh you know is it just seemed like a cooler opportunity than just playing to an empty room which is a little bit depressing it's like well we're gonna be having fun in the recording studio we'll just film that and people can kind of see what it was like when I was recording the actual album since I didn't film the entire thing uh doing that so it's not the same, you know, these live stream concerts, but that's what I've started to do. I've got four of them that are going to be going on every month, starting in May. That first one in May is going to be the analog girl digital world album. Um, and, uh, and yeah, thankfully I wrote it so I could replicate it live. So it was only, it was a four piece. Um, so there's no overdubs. Literally, it is the way that it is. I did not change anything. I cannot change anything because there's footage of it. So it's um, just it's a really big pain in the butt. But uh, but yeah, so that's what I've been doing. It's not the same, but it's, it's something.
0: Cool. Mm, that's cool. Um, finally, a question that I like to kind of always end on that's a bit of a hypothetical one. Um if you could tour with one band from the past and one from the present who would they be?
1: From the past meaning like they've died
0: well it could be like retired <laughs> could be you know
2: I mean they don't they don't need to have, yeah. to have moved on <laughs> they, you know it's not, it's not it's not the terms and conditions. Yeah. We 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 like, we we're quite we give quite a lot of leeway like yeah. I think we class we class maybe like late like late well, i think the 90s were classed as old yeah you class 90s as old i mean i was busy being <laughs> born yeah you
1: could I say i was born in the 90s yeah i was, I born, was, the, I was
2: born in the 90s yeah though. i'm not
1: that old yeah Come
2: we're, on. <laughs> so we're all born in the 90s so so, so we'll so, say we'll say late
0: 90s is like old yeah and like i'm offended well, don't be, because we're all we're all busy being born. I mean, I feel pretty old now, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Name, name. I tell you what, the best way to do it is if you name a band that you think's from the past, and then we can we can be the, yeah. the judges. If we, if <laughs> the we believe judges. the uh, if we believe they're old enough.
1: Okay, so so you mean touring like on the same bill or as an opening act?
2: Um, so you so we always do it as if you'd be the opening act, and okay. then. Um, the new band or the older band would be next and then the the other one would be headlining.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, so I'd say... Man, there's so many of them. Okay. The first one would be Jimi Hendrix.
2: Mm, nice.
1: Um, and maybe, like, Yes, in the late 70s. Ooh, very yeah, nice. That, that would be pretty awesome. There's a few others, but I'm like, nah, that would, like... I was thinking The Who, but I'm like, nah, you can't outdo that. That would be really, that would be a hard gig. Um,
2: New Jeff from the present.
1: Okay, present. I think um, Jeff Beck, Hmm. I mean, he's not present either. He's still touring though. Okay, so let's just say Joe Bonamassa. Okay. Does that count?
2: Yep. That that might be cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um,
1: yeah that's that's probably his present i don't i, I don't think. want
2: it to trouble you i don't need to lose sleep it's difficult. it's difficult
1: i'm it's losing difficult. sleep about that I have too many
2: <laughs> no <laughs> i like that so we'd have so we had ariel yeah then maybe bonamassa and then hendrix slash yes depending depending <laughs> Sense, wow, what a combo! I know that'd be badass, <laughs> it? I like the idea of Hendrix and Yes like forming a supergroup. That would never happen, but it could be amazing.
1: Be amazing, it could be an hour. Be amazing.
2: <laughs> Co- Like cosmic blues, like acid rock, and then and then progressive seventies rock. That's the marriage that the world needs. Yes. I think so. No, I agree. No, I think well, we've conquered what the world needs. Yep. Um, so I think we should probably bring it to a close thanks ever so much for, for chatting to us Ariel really enjoyed chatting to you mate mm. and uh, look Thank forward you. to uh, when you come over like we say we'll have to link up and uh, look at some gear and be nerdy and um, and we can't wait to, to see you live um, for those that haven't already make sure you check out everyone's most recent single Inside and Outside from our first coming album Analog Girl in a Digital World out May 7th and make sure you follow her on all the normal social medias Facebook, Instagram and YouTube and when she comes over to the UK make sure you get yourself down to a gig, mm. I did alright with that didn't I no. I knew yes, lo- you nearly lost it. it in the middle but all right. <laughs> thanks ever so much I appreciate your time
1: thanks so much guys it was have fun big,
2: have a good rest of your day see you in a bit
1: mm. Me too. Cool. Thank you too thanks bye I enjoyed
2: that it was a different kind of chat for us wasn't it yeah Didn't it say? was.
0: I think it was like something that we've not done before where we kind of uh, we haven't had somebody on uh, to date that's had their own signature guitar
2: yeah it was nice for, for to you see know. that on the video and to and to talk about that process, particularly from a guitarist's point of view, Mm. um, it was nice to have a bit of an overall chat about sort of, I don't know, like lockdown and and how you've dealt with that and also the overall music scene and and like I was saying, she struggles with that aspect, you know, of of social media and stuff. It was Mm. something that me and you are quite conscious of and talk a lot about sort of on the sofa, but, you know, without having the camera on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sort of about our struggles with that. So it was nice to, to bring that into the light a little bit from more of a... Podcasts beyond the vibe <laughs> sort of perspective. Yeah, No, yeah, I liked it man, it's cool.
0: Yeah, um just like, you know, re, like real. Mm and um good
2: gear chat as well. We got good good gear chat in there,
0: don't we? That's what I'm saying, it's a, it's a first.
2: I'm getting it? fed well with gear chats lately. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting my my feeding. <laughs> and if Kitty don't get fed, Kitty gets mad. Oh
0: <laughs> my god.
2: <laughs> I don't know what that means but, but yeah but no I enjoyed it it was good it was good and really interesting like we said to hear the, the, the dynamics of, of her relationship with Brian May you know it was really cool mm. and I, I respect the fact that she comes across like a true musician whatever that means you know it's, yeah. it's something that I look at Neil Young for you know she, she seems like she's doing it for herself and nobody else which is surely you know the mindset that you should be you want to walk mm. away and be truly proud of it and, and excited about the music you create mm. and I feel like she has that
0: I think you know, when you when you're doing it for yourself, you make your best kind of material, because mm. you know it's not. You're not trying to appease other people, you're well, you're you're doing it. You know your own outlet. It's yeah. your own thing.
2: I mean, the the concept for me of being a solo musician would be. Mm. I think it's quite scary. Yeah. You know, because it's it all weighs on your shoulders a little bit. We've you know? talked. Yeah, we have talked about this, haven't we? Yeah. Always, yeah. well, I was going to ask you the question: What what would you prefer to be? But I'm pretty sure I've asked it you before. Would not on air. Have asked you on, pref- air, not seen you on no, air. Would, would you, like, air. for the for the viewers, would you prefer to be a solo musician? If you was a player and a singer or whatever, would you prefer to be a solo musician or in a band?
0: For me, I've I've always thought that it comes with a lot of pressures, you know, being a solo artist because it's, it all hinges on you, doesn't it? Mm. Like you know the songwriting, you know the the guitar crazy, yeah. The links, the, yeah the band, this whole though. not the band, the, of you, you just know. everything, the image, just. Like top to bottom, it's just all you, and you know even when you go on stage, you go on live. It's you, your names in
2: lines. Yeah. You've got like, to carry the whole thing. Haven't
0: you? Yeah, people have got people have come for you. Yeah, like not the band. If you're it's, shit, yeah, the gig shit. Well, that's you. That's it, though. It's you know. but I can have like a poor <laughs>
2: night. People come up to me and go, "Oh, I really enjoyed that night. It was really good." You know, because I can just move around like a tosser. and people and because <laughs> right. the band is so good. Bless mm. them. It, it carries you know with one of us who's struggling that particular night for whatever yeah. reason you know, and when you're all on it, you really mm. feel like a collective force. You know, but then again, I suppose if you're on your own. And you're really killing it. It's like wow, I'm doing this mm. like, by myself. So I think it depends on what kind of
0: person you are. Yes, yeah, that's um, probably a big thing. Yeah, because like I think some people like really revel in that thing of like, oh, it is me, and like I can control this and make it, you know, what I want it to be. Mm. Um, whereas me, I'd look at this and I think, oh Christ! Like, well, can they... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it depends. A lot of people tend to do. It. If
2: you look through musical history, they'll be in a band and then they'll go solo. Mm. Yeah, I think because they've had that time in a band, they understand the, yeah, they understand the how how the, the musical world works. They understand how to. Whereas when you're in a band, it's nice to do that together because mm. the challenges come, you survive them and learn together. You know, so when you've come out the other side of that and you've got all them skills and knowledge, you can carry that forward on your own a little bit. And and solo artists, I don't think are ever really on their own because you've got. Managers, you've got PR people. You know, you've got people around you that will help support that, and family and friends. You know, it's true. Yeah, I don't think you ever truly on your own. But don't know, there might be some people that that are, you know, truly doing it on their own. Yeah, I mean, it It might be a lonely place to be.
0: That that that's imagine a
2: bad gig as a solo artist. That's why I think you're your art.
0: And I I mean, I'm I'm probably thinking glass half empty because as soon as you were like, what would it like be like as like a, a solo artist? I was thinking like.
2: What if I have a terrible night and it's just me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> i will
2: just there with me tambourine. Well, if my gear goes right. wrong, like if my pedal board cuts out, which does happen a lot, um, or my amp goes, mm. the band can keep playing and I but can that's just it. pull it out. you know. Whereas if it, if it happens and I'm on my own, mm. I've got to be funny or I've got to redirect. got to do something. Know. If I shit my pants, like physically shit myself <laughs> in a band, nobody would know. If I did it that's on very stage. True. And it's. Spotlights and, and it, on you. Spotlights on me. You know, people you know, it's very hard to, to carry <laughs> that. And we all have off nights. We all have we all have yeah. days where we wake up and we're not feeling great, particularly when you're touring. Mm. So you're in and out of hotels and and it's hard, you know. So shout out to the to the solo musicians.
0: Yes. And uh, yeah, on that note
2: well, uh, you can donate. Yeah, the, the line, the line at the bottom of the video. But thanks for for checking out this week's episode of Beyond the Vibe.
0: Yes, uh, if you like us on Facebook, you'll find that every Wednesday uh, there'll be a new teaser out with uh, you know a, a reveal of a, a new guest, mm. so you can find out who that is. And uh, on a Saturday, we release the uh, new episode every week every from week. ten a.m. On YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But if you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you know you don't you don't get my seal of approval. I'm afraid. And every, and everybody needs. You've got to come over to approval. YouTube because you get that extra element because you
2: can see us. And if you're on the YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button below. Hit the bell so you never miss an episode. Mm. Give us all the love and all the joy. We love doing this and we do it for you guys. Checking yeah. us out at home and for the bands that we get to chat with. Yes. So okay. thanks to Ariel for chatting to us this week, mm. and uh, we'll see you next week. Yes, see you next week.